0: Welcome to Who's Better Baseball, a podcast where we aim to answer a simple question on each show. Who's better at baseball? I'm your host, Ryan Fickelstein, the managing editor at JustBaseball.com. Today, we are discussing the five teams most improved heading into spring training this year. Who got better this offseason? And this is not a simple exercise of, you know, which teams won the offseason. You know, obviously, you see I'm a Mets guy. Of course, I would think that the New York Mets have improved in, in a lot of ways and got a lot better this offseason. But with that said, they won 101 games last year. So how much better can they be based on their win-loss record? We are looking at it through that lens. So when I wrote this article, I really had to dive deep not only into you know what moves were made for each of these teams, but who had room to grow when it came to their win-loss record. So that's how I came up. With my five teams here, you're not going to see the Mets, the Braves, the Yankees, because those are teams that won a lot of games last year. So to get better than that is very tough. Now, we got all of the over unders in this article from Caesar Sportsbook, uh, so that is where you find that information. We begin with the Texas Rangers, who last year were 68-94. Their over under going into the season is 81 and a half. So right there, you see a big discrepancy and. We can understand why. They completely rebuilt their rotation this offseason. They basically went out and they said, you know what, let's just buy a rotation. We haven't been able to develop starting pitching yet, although that's coming in the pipeline. Let's just go buy some. So they get Jacob deGrom, the biggest high-risk, high-reward signing in MLB history potentially because if this dude is healthy, he is the best pitcher on planet Earth. No one is nastier. No one will strike out more batters. There is not a single pitcher that's more prepared to lead you to the promised land if you get him into October healthy than Jacob deGrom. But he made 11 starts last season, and he made 15 in 2021. So is that arm going to hold up? That's the big question. It still is a marked improvement from whatever they had last year as their ace. I guess technically it was Martin Perez. That's a huge upgrade. Now, you also go out and you get Nathan Ivaldi and you get Andrew Heaney. A couple more guys that are coming off some injuries this year, but you look at Ivaldi and, you know, he made 32 starts for the Red Sox in 2021 and was one of the most valuable starters in the game with a 5.7 F4. He has that in him. He's pitched in all of the big games. If he's healthy and DeGrom is healthy, that one-two punch that we're going to the season completely just overlooking could be one of the best dynamic duos atop any rotation in the game. You throw in Andrew Heaney, who you know has had some ups and downs in his career, but last year with the Dodgers certainly found something. It was a small sample size, only was able to pitch in 72 and two-thirds. Did pitch, though, to a 3.10 ERA, and even more impressive, he struck out 35.5% of the batters he faced. So you're looking at a lot of strikeouts heading into that Rangers rotation you rounded it out with John Gray last offseason's big free agent starting pitching signing. Martin Perez coming back on the qualifying offer. All of those guys, the Dan Dunnings of the world that were making starts this year, now fill in as depth. You still have Marcus Simeon, Corey Seager coming into year two. That is probably an improvement based on what they were last year, particularly Simeon, who really struggled out of the gate. This Rangers team is going to be a lot better than 68 wins. The year prior, they were a 60-win team with the addition of those two middle infielders without a lot else around them. They added eight wins. Would we be surprised if they add eight more to be a 76-win team? No. Will we be surprised if they hit that over of 81 and a half and they're a winning baseball team this year? Those guys stay healthy if they get Josh Young being a big impact bat for them, the young third baseman. I like the Rangers this year. I don't know if I like them as a playoff team, but a competitive team that has a winning record by season then, yes, and that would be a massive improvement. Now we go to a really good team, the San Diego Padres. Now the Padres, they made their big addition this offseason of Xander Bogarts. But looking at improving from last year, I almost want to take this thing back to the trade deadline because you now get a full year of Juan Soto, of Josh Hader, that will make them even better. And then Fernando Tatis Jr. coming off the suspension. It's not to say that all those moves were made this offseason, but Bogarts to tie them all together, to give them arguably the most star-studded lineup in the game, to go Machado, Tatis, Bogarts, Soto, and whatever order you want to put them in. That's going to be ridiculously dynamic. I wonder if we get a back-to-back-to-back home ride. How many times... Do four guys, all homer, in sequential order. It happens at least once, I think. Could it happen twice? I don't know. That is how talented those guys are. That is the bet that they made. And they made some other nice additions, you know. Uh, They're betting on some kind of converted relievers and Nick Martinez and Seth Lugo to solidify the back end of that rotation. But what did they get beyond their top three last year, especially come playoff time? I mean, you couldn't trust Clevenger. You couldn't trust Sean Now you bring in these two guys that I, I think have some upside. You know, personally, I've seen Seth Luga for a long time. He's always wanted to be a starter. I don't know if he really will thrive in that role. He hasn't, but he also hasn't had the opportunity to go into camp as a starting pitcher and just get that role from the offset, get to train to be a starter. So He could surprise this year. You solidify your bullpen by bringing back Robert Suarez. Uh, I I like what they did. And again, we're looking at the win totals. Who can improve the most? An 89-win ball club last year that exercised some demons by beating the Dodgers in the playoffs. To win that division, you got to win 100 games. Would we be surprised if the Padres won this division? I would not. So you look at their over-under win total of 94. I would take the over And I think that they actually get over 100 wins in there. One of the best teams in the National League this year, if not the best when it comes to the regular season. If all those guys are hitting, they're going to be very, very tough. Now we've gotten a really bad team. We've gotten a good team that could be great. Now let's talk about a team that was in the lower middle that might be a little bit more competitive to be a winning ball club this year. And that is the Chicago Cubs. Look at the free agent landscape coming into the offseason. Dansby Swanson, clearly the fourth shortstop, but he was still part of that first tier of Correa, of Turner, of Bogarts. And you look at all the contracts, seven years, $177 million for Dansby Swanson, former first overall pick, comes in after a season where he hit 25 bombs, won a gold glove, and had an F-4 over six. A guy that's at least figured it out enough offensively where you trust the home run pop will continue. Whose glove is going to be amazing up the middle with Nico Horner. Something we're going to actually be doing uh, next week. I'm going to be writing the top 10 double play combinations. You can watch probably an episode on the Just Baseball Show on that. And then I'm going to break into some head-to-heads when it comes to some middle infields like the Mets, Jeff McNeil, Francisco Lindor, the Astros, Altuve, Pena, the Cubs, Swanson, Horner. I think they might not quite be. Atop that list because of the offense, but the defense, they might be the best defensive middle infield in baseball this year. So that was a nice add-in. You look at all their other moves. You know, Jamison Tyone to solidify their rotation. Four years, $68 million. I like that a lot more than Taiwan Walker at four years, $72 million. So they got a pretty solid deal there. Cody Bellinger, I wrote an article early on this offseason. The best low-risk, high-reward signing available was Cody Bellinger because his floor, at least... Is a great defensive center fielder. He's got a little bit of pop. His ceiling is MVP. I don't think he ever reaches that ceiling again. But I also look at a guy that was you know, in the pressure cooker of playing with the Dodgers that gets a fresh start someone else, gets some other hitting coaches to talk to him, maybe tweak a few things, go to a division where there's some bad teams with some bad pitching he can beat up on, some great ballparks to hit in with Cincinnati with – Chicago at times isn't great, especially if you're a left-handed hitter. But, you know, there's going to be some days where the wind is not completely killing you. Uh, You got Pittsburgh Dota hit in. That's a great ballpark. So I think he goes there. And even if he's still a sub-200 hitter, I would not be surprised at all if Cody Bellinger had 20 home runs by the All-Star break while playing great defense for you. So that's going to improve the team. Uh, You look at some of the other additions, you know, Tucker Barnhart behind the plate, Eric Hosmer and Trey Mancini. Don't love the Hosmer signing, especially when you got Matt Mervis coming up through the pipeline that you want to see get at bats. But once they can, you know, get that extra year of control and hold him off and then call him up, I think Hosmer gets less playing time. And I think Mervis finds his way in the lineup. And Trey Mancini, really nice to add as well. And if they wanted to, you know, they could put Mancini in a corner outfield spot. He's not going to be great, but he's not going to kill them. So, you know, maybe they could find a way to juggle all those guys. But I, I think that. Bottom line, they are much improved offensively, especially with Swanson coming into the fold. And then, you know, you look at the bullpen, they get Brad Boxberger. They just signed Michael Fulmer, still penning a physical, but that's going to be a really nice addition for their pen. Those are guys that honestly, at the deadline, could be moved, as could Bellinger and any of those veterans that we mentioned, uh, but outside of Swanson, obviously. But if they are hanging around the wild card race, you never know, and uh, again, you're looking at a team that only won 74 games last year. Their over/under total totals at 77 and a half. I think they're at least a 500 team this year, uh, so I'll take the over. And that's also if they are an 82 and 80 team. And that's an eight-win improvement on last season, and they're trending in the right direction. Now we got another great ball club, the Toronto Blue Jays. This is where I struggled writing this list because, as I already mentioned from the top. The Braves, the Mets, the Yankees, those teams, I just kind of disqualified because they were too good last year to really improve. If they end up where they were, you'll be happy. I feel the same way about some wildcard teams, the Mariners and the Phillies. I looked at both of their offseasons, and I thought maybe, right? But then from the Phillies' perspective, without Bryce Harper to start the season, I know they were great with him last year. I still wonder how that's going to work. They're still betting on a lot of guys like Bryson Stott, Alec Boehm, where they could be great. They also could still be finding themselves as they're establishing their big league careers. I look at the rotation in Philly beyond their top three. I don't know how much Taiwan Walker and Bailey Falter are going to be good in the back end. So while I think they're a playoff team, I don't think that they're a 95-win team this year. I think they're like a 90-win team, which from 87 wins is an improvement but not as big of an improvement as some of these other teams. The Mariners, the same thing. I really like Teoscar Hernandez coming into the middle of that lineup. I think that they are going to improve with another year of J Rod, of George Kirby. Uh, you know, they're they're going to continue to to see that young talent get better. You hope by some stretch uh, you could get something out of you know a Jared Kallanik, but you also kind of. Uh, raise the floor of your ball club by bringing A.J. Pollock just in case a Kelnick doesn't end up coming through for you. So you know I like the Mariners, but they won 90 games. Do we think that they're going to win 95 to 100? I don't know. I think they might be around 92, 93, and then just be a really dangerous wildcard team. So that led me, uh, long story uh, long, I guess, as I went down the whiny road on that, to the Blue Jays. I think the Blue Jays, even though you look at their over-under win total compared to 92 wins last year, it's at 93 and a half. Vegas doesn't have them as vastly improved. I think they are. I think they are a more well-rounded ball club. I believe the Blue Jays are going to really push the Yankees to win this division, and I think that this division has someone in the upper 90s when it comes to their win total, if not a 100-win ball club. I think the Blue Jays can be that 100-win team. They went out and they get Dalton Varsho. This is a, a guy that you can slide into your lineup that you think is going to give you 30 home runs potentially. He might swipe 20 bags, and now that he's even going to play left field, could be a gold glover out there. Last year, there was defensive metrics that had him as the best outfielder in baseball. You bring in Kevin Kiermaier with him. I don't like the Kiermaier addition alone, but with Varsho and the ability to slide him into center if Kiermeyer's hurt, I like what they're trying to do. Last year, they were a team that you knew they were going to hit, but you weren't sure if they are going to defend. So you replace some guys like Teoscar Hernandez and Lawrence Gurriel Jr. with guys that can go down and run down flat balls in the outfield. And you're trusting the bats that you have with Bichette, with Vladdy to help carry you through it with Kirk behind the dish. You know, with Matt Chapman, who does give you a good glove at third as well. They think they have enough offense. They think Varsho adds to that offense. And Kiermaier, if he's batting ninth for you and running down fly balls in center, I think they feel good. Springer and Wright as well, giving you kind of an all-around outfielder. I think that their team fits more, makes more sense, and they were so close to being that type of a dominant team. And every year we kind of say that about the Blue Jays. Is this the year that they're the best team in the East? Is this year? Is this year... I think we might finally have gotten to that point. And then you throw in the addition of Chris Bassett. I really like that signing for them. He's the perfect three to compliment Alec Manoa and Kevin Gossman, guy that for my Mets last year made 30 starts, set a career high with 181 and two third innings pitched. Since 2019, he's been one of the most consistent starting pitchers in the game. And you just know that he's a guy that is going to give you a chance to win. He's going to eat innings. He's going to give you six innings a start. And for a team that needed more behind their top two, I think Bassett was exactly what the doctor ordered. So now you got three starters that you trust. You got to line up with a better defense behind it. I I like the Blue Jays a lot to maybe even get, as I already said to the hundred win total, and that would be a massive improvement. Now we close out this list, Minnesota Twins, Carlos Correa. Now this is not necessarily in addition compared to last year. He was on the Twins. Very similar to Aaron Judge just being a re-signing by the Yankees. But Correa went to two teams this offseason before circling back to the Twins. So it feels a little more like an addition. And you're bringing back your best player. Because of Byron Buxton's injury question, and I know now they have probably the, the biggest injury risk team in baseball with Buxton and Correa signed on long-term deals. But if in any one of those years those two guys stay healthy together, you got two of the best players in baseball at two of the most premier positions in center field and shortstop. So if they are able to do it, if, 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 man, the Twins could be scary. And I like what else they did. You know, Joey Gallo, that's not a move that you look at and say, oh, wow, Joey Gallo. He's everything to them. He's coming off. A bad year and a half, but he's not far removed from the first half of 2021 where he put up a 138 WRC plus and hit 25 home runs in 95 games. He now goes from New York, Los Angeles to Minnesota. A lot less pressure playing in, let's be honest, some general obscurity in Minnesota than in those big markets. This is still a really talented player that could bounce back. It's similar to Bellinger. I don't think anyone would really bat an eye if at the all-star break, Either of these guys has 20 home runs under their belt. That is how much power they bring. Now you move over Michael A Taylor. That was another nice addition for the Twins. You know, you make a trade to get a guy that I think provides great insurance on Byron Buxton where even if Buxton goes down, you got a really nice defender in center field. If you remember years ago in Washington, there's was sort of that that question about the center fielder is it Michael Taylor? Is it Victor Robles? They went Robles, they thought his upside was more. Now look at Taylor as the better player because he's raised the floor of his bat to be about league average and he's still a great center fielder. So as a fourth outfielder for them, that could at any point have to fill in for an injured Buxton. That was a nice quiet move. They get Kyle Farmer. If he was their starting shortstop, you'd hate it as a backup utility infielder. That's fine. You have so much depth in that infield with Jose Miranda, uh, now a full year of him, Alex Kirilov. Can he stay healthy? Jorge Polanco, Nick Gordon, Royce Lewis, you know, if these guys, if four of them <laughs> or three of them along with Correa, can put it together for a full season, could be one of the better infields in baseball. And then the big move, right? The move that really moves the needle the most as far as last year's team to now. You trade for Pablo Lopez. Really rough for you know twins fans that love Luisa Rise, who just won a bad title. But again, we just went through all of the names they have in that infield. That was an area of depth. Their rotation was. Was not. So now you look at your front three of Joe Ryan, Sonny Gray, and Pablo Lopez. It's not the sexiest collection of names, but for what they've had in Minnesota, really good for them. And then they still have Bailey Ober, who in a small sample was really good last year, Tyler Malley. They look at Kenta Maeda and Chris Paddock as some more depth, both guys coming off Tommy John. But at some point near mid to end of the season, you could get a few more arms to slot into that rotation. I really like what the Twins did, that their offseason was fantastic for them to really compete in a division that is wide open. No one trusts the White Sox after last season. And then the Guardians are a great up-and-coming team, but even just the addition of Josh Bell and some of the things they did, they're not running away with this thing. The Twins can compete. Last year, they won 78 games. They're over-underwin total at 81.5. You know, could they be a 90-win ball club and win? essential this year. I think it's a distinct possibility and that's why I had to include them on this list. So again, my five most improved teams heading into spring training. We got number 1 Rangers, Padres, Cubs, Blue Jays, Twins. I think I'm wrong? To think that there was other teams that should have been mentioned that I did not? Comment if you're watching on YouTube. Make sure you follow, rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube. Make sure you check out the written version of this article at JustBaseball.com. And I'll be back with another edition of Who's Better Baseball on Wednesday.